Ion 2020 episode 124. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you the news-related events and the Things that are going on with the 2020 election daily, Monday through Friday, working hard to find the news, anything that's going on around the world. I mean, I, I cover lots of different topics, you know that. And uh, my goal is just to make sure that you are a well-informed person so that if you are going to vote, you have the necessary information to go into that voting booth and make some good decisions on the most libertarian candidate. Yep. I said libertarian, I take this show from a libertarian standpoint, and that's what I do Monday through Friday for you, making sure that all the spin is towards the libertarian focus. And when I say libertarian, I mean not the libertarian party, but just the libertarian framework, a framework that believes in liberty, uh, self-determination, and also the very most important part of that is non-aggression towards people around you. Non-aggression. Interaction with human beings non-aggressively. That is the most important way to live, and that's the framework that I come from when I look at any issue and any topic. Is is it something that is an aggression upon another person? Uh, an aggressive act. So you can obviously defend yourself and things of that nature, but you can't ask somebody else to act aggressively towards somebody on your behalf, nor can you ask the government, which is obviously a government is just a group of people, or a king, or a emperor, or a dictator to act aggressively on your behalf as well. That is the most important thing that I take into consideration when I look at my, when I look at any, any issue. And I'm a libertarian through and through, uh, have been since 1999, and some people call me an OG libertarian, I guess, because I didn't come up during the Ron Paul era. But then again, it's only been in the last probably six or seven years that I've really taken uh, and looked at my libertarianism, I guess, and looked at the way that I look at the world and started to become more uh, focused in on libertarian politics, per se, and also, you know, looking at it from the standpoint of the Republican and the Democrats, they are not the good guys. And it's only been recently, you know, like I said, the last six or seven years that that's the case. Before that, in 1999, I mean, it was hard to find anything about libertarianism, anything on the internet even, hardly. You couldn't find much about libertarian or libertarianism or libertarian philosophy, libertarian thought. The only person you'd ever hear it from is Ayn Rand, right? You'd have all those books and so forth from her. Uh, you might find something from... Uh, what is that? Healing Our World, that book, and then also the one by Harry Brown. I can't remember what his book was called, but those are the most popular, the most popular books in the libertarian movement back then. But yeah, I mean, 
that's how I am. I'm a libertarian, so I'm going to take a look at these candidates from a libertarian perspective. That's what I do. So hopefully you guys have been enjoying the show the last several months. I've been doing this since January, and this is episode 124. So I'm excited to continue to move forward and continue to bring you guys this message because I am trying to inspire people to act with this show. That has been my goal from the very beginning, to inspire other libertarians to act because if we as one person, like if one person decides to start spreading the message, it is even more accelerated when you have a group of people. And I've found lots and lots of groups of libertarians that are doing this. Young, young, um, what was that one? Um, young Americans for Liberty. I've seen that one. I've seen lots of different, you know, college groups and so forth. And then you have, you know, the 10th Amendment Center, John Bolton over there, he is pushing a lot of libertarian issues on the state level where you can start looking to nullify the things that the federal government's doing and so forth. And there's tons and tons of different groups. There needs to be some kind of unifying factor, I think, within these groups, though, so that we can start kind of pinpointing issues, then focusing in on those, because we do have a lot of power. I mean, we have a voice that will be listened to if we can find, you know, if we can, if we can shout loud enough as a group, the politicians will hear us. And then that'll come down at the ballot box as well. I really do think that. I think that if, I mean, politicians, they do what constituents say in some ways, although a lot of times it's, you know, whoever is donating the most money to their campaigns and stuff. But you know what? If we change the culture, if we change the way that people perceive government, and the way that they think that government should interact with them, if that's what we can change in people's minds, then that's how we get to move forward uh, to bring liberty to other people. That I mean, I'm convinced on that particular issue. So, anyway, today what I wanted to talk to you guys about, though, is Bitcoin. And I've kind of avoided this particular topic. And the reason why is just because this is a show that is really based upon um, the politics and the things that are going on in the elections, and Bitcoin has really nothing to do with the elections, but there is something going on in the world right now, or in, you know, in business, I guess, right now, and I wanted to bring that up to you guys as well, because I think it's a pretty important issue, and it's something that's been talked about a little bit on some other shows, uh, but I think I have a different framework that I'm kind of looking at it through, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about today, but first... Go ahead if you can subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the show if you want to hear what you you know if you liked what you heard yesterday, you like what you hear today. Go ahead and subscribe to the show. You'll hear it again tomorrow. I also have multiple episodes previous to this one, and you can go ahead and listen to those as well. Uh, Anchor.fm/ion2020. If you go there, you could actually uh, you could actually donate to the show. You could support the show. I'd love to see people support the show if you want to. If you like what you hear. Uh, five bucks a month, uh, four ninety nine a month, whatever. Uh, you know what that is? That's like twenty five cents an episode or something like that. So if you want to support, it, you can do that. Uh, Anchor.fm/i on twenty twenty. You can also leave me a voice message there, which I'd really like to hear you guys' voice messages because uh, you know I will sh- share those on the air, especially if you have a question or if you have comments or if you have anything like that. So you can do that at that same website also. Um, but I on the Empire. Dot com is the website as well. Uh, go ahead and check me out there. You can also find me on Twitter and on Facebook by typing in I on the Empire as well. So, um, yeah, so Bitcoin. So let me give you guys a little bit of reference on my 
experience with Bitcoin, okay? And the reason why I say this is because I've been dealing with Bitcoin for a very long time, since it was below $200. So you could tell that that's a pretty long time because it's probably been, what, at least four or five, maybe six, it's been a while. So uh, Bitcoin came out in like 2008, I think I got into it in like 2000, there was that first little boom that shot it up to like a thousand bucks each, right? And then I got into it right after that when it came down to around two, around $200. So I've been in it for a pretty while, pretty long time, and I started buying it. And the reason why I got convinced on Bitcoin, the reason why I decided that I was going to buy some Bitcoin originally was because of the dream. And you guys know the dream, right? The dream is, is that it's going to be a, a type of monetary unit that is outside of government, that is decentralized, and if people can use that, they can get away from the U.S. dollar, they can get away from the fiat currencies and everything else, and uh, and move, you know, and start moving money around. You can trade it across the world for very low fees. Uh, you can, you know, send it to your parents across, you know, down in Florida or something like that if they need it. And it's just a very easy. It's very easy to move the value across the world very quickly with no intermediary whatsoever. And yeah, I loved that idea. I did. And I got into it and uh, I felt like it was something, I mean, I, I always told a lot of my friends, I said, man, you guys need to listen to, you know, you need to learn about Bitcoin. You need to look into it. You need to um, buy some. Because I, I didn't realize it would go up like crazy. I mean, I didn't think it was going to go up to like $18,000 at the time. But I just knew that there was some, there's value in the blockchain. There's value. But th- back when I was getting into it, most people only talked about it as a as Bitcoin, as the monetary value called Bitcoin, right? Um, and that's it. There wasn't a lot of other altcoins out there at the time. I think there was like Dogecoin, which was like a fake coin. I think Litecoin came out around this time as well. But there wasn't a lot of other other coins out there. It wasn't until it started to make its run up to like two and three thousand dollars that you really start seeing a lot of the other coins start coming out there as well. And it kind of made a name for Bitcoin on its own being in the news, made a name for a lot of these other coins, but also the ecosystem of the blockchain with all of the different types of coins that are out there, all those types of cryptocurrencies that are out there, they um, they are doing something that, like each of those, each of them are designed to do something that Bitcoin does not do. Like Ethereum, you can build, you can build, you know, programmable data's, data on top of the Ethereum network in order to create something else, right? And I'm not exactly sure how those things work. I am not a computer programmer by any means. I'm just a libertarian guy who loved the dream of getting away from uh, government government money, essentially. So I, that's what that was my dream. That was what I believed about it. So what Bitcoin really is, is just a... Um, to explain what it is, if you don't know what it is, I'm sure most of you guys have some idea what it is. It's um, basically a mechanism, it's a computer program, right, where much a bunch of people open up their computers and they share the data that's called mining, right? They, they're the ones that do the, they're the ones that store the data basically on their, on their servers. And if there's like 10,000 people that are storing that data on their servers, in order for them to open up their computer and open up their servers to that data and keep on using it, they're incentivized, and they're incentivized with a reward, which is called Bitcoin. So 
every, I'm not sure how, how often this, but let's say every, you know, three hours, you know, 800 Bitcoin are released. This is in the beginning though. Now it's only like, I think it's like 16 or 32 or maybe it's 22. I'm not sure. It's maybe it's even 24. I'm not sure, but it's a specific number. It's low now, but at first it was high. So a low number of Bitcoin now are reproduced like every block, which is, I think it's every 10 minutes, actually a new block is formed. And all that data that's stored on that block um, goes into the blockchain. And the, like, the blockchain is just a, a chain of different blocks from the very first block to the most recent block. And all of that data is stored on all of these computers, let's say 10,000 computers worldwide. So that data can never go anywhere. If they shut down one, there's still 9,999 computers that still hold that data. Same thing, if they shut down half of them, well, that data is still there. So you can never shut it down because there's a decentralized group that holds all of that data. So governments can't shut it down. Nobody can shut it down. And those people are rewarded by giving, by the program creating Bitcoin. So that's the value that they receive by being miners. Well, then at that point, that miner can sell that Bitcoin if there's any value to it. If other people believe that there's value to it, they can sell that Bitcoin. And the Bitcoin is just a data a data set of, you know, basically, basically a code that says that this is valued at, you know, at one Bitcoin, which it could be divided up and so forth. But then if people don't feel that there's any value to that Bitcoin, then obviously they're not going to buy it, right? So what if I start up Raycoin today? Well, and I open up my computer and my buddy opens up his computer. There's only value to him and I, and we're getting Raycoins coming in like crazy. It's not like there's any value to that coin. But since there's other people that believe that Bitcoin has value, that's what gives it its value, right? So there's so many Bitcoins out there now in the system. I think there's like 18 million with a cap of 19 million Bitcoins. Um, and I, I could be wrong on the exact, the exact number, but since there are that many Bitcoins out there and they are traded, that, that's where the value comes from, is that the fact that they're traded among people, that people perceive their value. And most of that perceived value, in my opinion, is in the fact that people perceive that it's going to continue to go up and up and up and up. But it's also the perceived value of people like me who believe that somehow this is a way to sidestep government money. And that's where the real value of it comes from, is the perceived value that people have. But that particular coin, let's say I, I am rewarded one coin as a miner, then I can go sell that coin, or a part of that coin, and that there's no way to, there's literally no way to duplicate that coin, right? There's no way to, um, to, to take that, take that coin and make it, make another coin that looks the same, looks the same. Like you can uh, counterfeit a dollar bill, you can counterfeit a hundred dollar bill, but you can't counterfeit a Bitcoin. There's no way to do it. So that allows it so that there's a, there's a, there's no way for me to have a Bitcoin and then you to have my same Bitcoin at the same time, which is, that, that's the power of the network, right? There's also a complete record going back on every time that that coin was traded through the blockchain. So you can see where that coin went to, which account that coin went to at all times. So it's an it's a it's a decentralized ledger of transactions, which is amazing. So if you take a like let's say you have an accounting 
ledger at your in your business and you have that ledger, someone else has another ledger and so forth, and each of you guys put the transaction down on that ledger every single time that you guys trade amongst each other, right? Then you can use those ledgers as facts that say, hey, this is this is the transactions that happen. That's the same way that the Bitcoin um, blockchain works. So anyway, um, what I'm getting at today is this. I'm going over to, or I'm, I'm writing a lot of the, I'm reading a lot of the, um, the news reports on this new Facebook coin that they're coming out with, right? They're co- so Facebook has decided that they're going to look into creating their own coin. And it's not going to be an open network blockchain. It's not going to be decentralized cryptocurrency. It's going to be an internal currency, it seems like to me. But they are, Facebook is realizing something right now. And what I, so hear me out. Facebook is realizing that the current monetary system that we have in the world does not work effectively for an international organization. That's what they're realizing. So what they're going to do is create their own currency for people to trade in, and they say that it's going to be backed by like a bundle of different currencies and so forth. And that's going to allow their people on their platform to trade amongst each other outside of the current monetary system that the world knows. And that is the dream of Bitcoin in the original point as well. And Facebook is just playing on that also. So, is that a good thing that a huge giant corporation like Facebook is going to is looking into this and is going to do it? I think it is a great thing. Listen to me and see why. So, for about for for at least the last hundred years, beyond that, I'm sure, uh, but at least since the Federal Reserve Bank and all of the different fe- the different reserve banks of all these different countries, and now with the International Monetary Fund and all that, you have governments that have a complete monopoly monopoly on monetary like on monetary value on money. There's a monopoly of on money and it's owned by governments, right? And as a libertarian, I am skeptical of governments. I always have been, I always will be. And I'm skeptical of their money. I'm skeptical of the you know the things that go on across the world with our monetary system. You know, giving loans to this country so you know giving loans to Ecuador so they'll, you know, push Julian Assange out of the embassy, you know, like there's things that go on with this monetary. Oh, the way that the the way the oil trade is, and the oil trade is forced to be in U.S. dollars, so that any any company or any country that wants to buy oil, any business that wants to buy oil in these countries, they are forced to buy it in U.S. dollars. It's like the way that the monetary system now is is it's dominated by governments and is dominated by the US government. So what if the US government is doing things bad with its monetary policy? For example, inflating its currency. For example, bailing out the banks. For example, massive amounts of debts that the that the US government has in US dollars. W- what do we do then, right? So my feeling is is that Facebook creating its own cryptocurrency for people to trade in internationally is an absolute good thing. And you know what that does? 
It's going to cause other businesses to do the same thing, like Apple, like Twitter, like some unknown business that hasn't been started yet. Thousands of them, I'm sure. They're going to try to bypass the current monetary system of value in order to what? So in the old days, a government would buy a bunch of gold and they, then they would back up their, or a bank would buy a bunch of gold and they'd back up their, you know, notes with gold, right? You, they would say, here's my gold in the bank. We have a million dollars worth. We're going to loan out a million dollars or we're going to print, print a million dollars of paper money that says that you can redeem for gold. Then they would give it to their customers and so not to carry on gold in their pockets to pay for things. And then whenever you paid for a bunch of stuff, you can go and you collected that money, you can go and uh, turn that money in for gold if you want to, but people would never turn it in for gold because they would just assume that they can ultimately do that. So then there's enough paper money out there, then the governments come in and they say, well, hold on, we're not going to have this backed by gold anymore. It's going to be backed by the good faith of the U.S. government, right? So what Facebook is doing is they're not backing up their currency with gold, they're backing their currency up by a bundle of foreign currencies. What they're so what they're doing is they're replacing gold with a bundle of foreign currencies. I'm not sure how they do that. I'm not sure how they assume to, to do that, but that you can do that. But they're basing it on fiat money, just like their money's gonna be a fiat money as well. It's only valuable based upon what other people value it as. But so is everything. Everything in the world is based upon fiat, right? Because gold doesn't have value unless other people need it. So gold's only as valuable as the demand for it is. It just happens to be the nat- one of the natural va- stores of value over time. People resort to gold because it's rare. It's hard to get more of it. And uh, there's not a lot of it, so it only goes so far. So, I mean, it just ma- and it's uh, you could have a small amount and it could be worth a whole lot. So gold just kind of happened to be, I mean, you could... I mean, corn could be the monetary value, but a bush. I would imagine trying to carry bushels of corn in your pocket. You know, it'd be absolutely impossible. You have to pull. You have to drive around and go to the grocery store with a semi truck in order to pay for your groceries versus a you know a couple of coins of gold. So anyway, Facebook is using. They're going to use a bundle of currencies, but what it's going to do. This is the this is the key point. What it's going to do is going to cause other businesses. like Facebook, to do the same thing. They're going to determine that they're going to start their own currency as well, or maybe piggyback on an existing currency like Ethereum or Bitcoin or so forth. And then at that point, they're going to create their own currency. They're going to competing international currencies. And that's the most important thing, is that when you have competing international currencies, it's going to hold these currencies accountable it's going to hold the businesses that own them accountable to make sure that they keep the value of that currency high. Then there's going to have to be trading among it and so forth. I mean, it's going to, I think it's a very good thing. The more options that we have outside of the monopoly that federal, the federal government has and the other governments in the world have over the monetary systems, the better. And it'll get worldwide adoption at some point, I'm sure about it, especially a huge company like Facebook. So a lot of people are scared of this. Oh, a corporation has control of the money. Well, I think it's even worse when a government has the control of the money because a government having control of the money, all they think about the Chinese government, they have control of their monetary unit, the yen, right? 
or not the yen, it's not the yen, I'm sorry, the yen is Japan, whatever their currency is over in China, they have the control of that unit. And like every so often in the summertime, you'll hear say, yeah, the Chinese government just devalued the currency by 20%. Yeah, they just devalued the currency by 20%. Well, there's no way Facebook can just go out and do that if there's a bunch of other competing crypto or cryptocurrencies out there that other people would want to buy. There's no way that Facebook can do it. And if they did, then the other companies that have their cryptocurrency would say, see, they devalue their money all the time. But there's no way for that to happen in the... or That happens all the time by governments doing it, but there's no way for it to really happen uh, in a easy way when it's the when it's a business right so i think it's way more important that or i think it's very important what's going on right now i think it's something that we need to keep our eyes on and also the candidates getting back to the election some of the candidates actually believe in uh cryptocurrencies like rand paul did uh the libertarian candidates typically do as well so that's something that is going to help us to get away from government, right? That's something that's going to help us to step away from government and, and do things on our own. I think that we need to support cryptocurrencies. I always have. I feel like it's one of the most important things, invention, inventions in the 21st century. It certainly is the most, you know, one of the most important inventions in the 21st century. And that's why I got on board with it a long time ago. And I think that if you haven't gotten on board with it yet, you, tep- you definitely should at least dabble in it a little bit, not for the point of getting rich. I think the boat has passed on getting rich off of cryptocurrency. It's, you know, there's enough people out there now that buy it that you're not going to get rich. I certainly did not get rich off of cryptocurrency. But it's something that I believe in, and it's something that I think that is, is pretty much the way of the future. I, I really do believe that. And with Facebook getting into it, I think that that's the case. I think that you're going to start seeing other companies like Apple do the same thing as well. Just, I mean, there's, there's people in Silicon Valley now, I guarantee it, that are saying, wow, look what Facebook's doing. What are we going to do also to match it? And then, boom, we start having competing currencies that are world currencies that are unaccountable to governments and that's the most important key to that. It's going to legitimize the ones that are that are the ones that decide that they're going to be accountable to governments. They're going to work within that law. That's fine, but it's going to help out the ones that are going to work outside the law as well. Because all that politicians are going to do is try to do what they're going to try to regulate it. That's what they try to do. They try to regulate everything. That's just the way that politicians are. They don't have their hands and they want to tax it. They want to get rid of it. They want to penalize you for it. <clears throat> so let's just, I mean, just keep that in mind. And uh, to me, I think it's a very important thing to, to keep your eyes on. I th- I'm sure a lot of you guys do that, though. Um, a lot of people like Peter Schiff hates cryptocurrency. He talks about how bad it is and that's a bubble and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's fine. It was a bubble. 2000, what was that, 2017, when it was going up, it went up to $18,000 by December, I told a friend of mine about it, I think it was, oh, that's right, so in May, it was Labor Day weekend, May 2017, I gave him, we were out at the beach, hanging out with his family, and uh, we're just sitting there drinking some beers and stuff by the pool, and 
he said, I start telling him about cryptocurrency and about Bitcoin. And this is before the big bubble, right? It was at $2,000 or so a piece at the time. So it had gone up from 200 to $2,000 over the course of a couple, I, I don't know how long it was, maybe like nine months or something like that. So it went up that high. And I gave him $1 worth of Bitcoin. So I called it my dollar barometer at that point. Because I knew that he would never buy any because he's just the type of person that is very... Um, uh, it's hard to, he, he's, he's risk averse. So he's not going to buy something like that. He's not going to put his money into it. Even though I didn't go out and buy like a million dollars worth or anything like that. You know, I just bought a little bit. So, um, and I will never say how much, cause I don't want the tax collector to know. So, um, anyway, so I gave him $1 worth. And then like a month later, I was asking him, I said, so, Hey man, how's your Bitcoin? And he says, man, it's worth two bucks now. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I says, yeah, I tell everyone at work about it because we're all keeping an eye on my dollar, and then it's up to three dollars, then it's up to four, and then by like October, it's up to like you know nine bucks or something, and he's about to lose his. It's like you know seven or eight bucks or something, and then ultimately it goes up to like nine dollars at one point. That was when it hit like eighteen grand, and everyone at work was like going crazy. Like, how much is your Bitcoin worth now? How's, how much is that one dollar worth now? And uh, it never did go down below a dollar again, though. It's always been, I mean, even when Bitcoin a couple months back was like three, thirty five hundred bucks, he was still up on his dollar. He still had, you know, a dollar seventy five. So I just think that, you know, it's a very important tool going forward. I don't know that Bitcoin is gonna be the one, but I do think that cryptocurrency is obviously a a clear winner in this century. It's going to be. And I think that it's important for us all to get kind of like involved in it in the sense that it's a libertarian. We're libertarians. We want to be part of a movement type thing. And I think that Bitcoin is a great way to decentralize currency overall. And we always talk about end the Fed. Well, if you want to end the Fed, get rid of its power completely. And that is by pulling the value of its dollar completely away and moving over towards cryptocurrencies altogether for everything. And that'll end the Fed right there because the U.S. dollar, the government won't want to borrow it no more because, you know, they, they won't want to borrow it no more because it ain't worth nothing. Sorry to use terrible English. So anyway, guys, um, hey, I appreciate you coming out and listening, though. You stood by me day in and day out, putting out good shows, bad shows, whatever shows. I don't know. Uh, I try to put out great shows every single day, but I appreciate you listening to the show I do. Uh, give me a five-star rating and review if you like what you hear. Let me know if you're doing it on another podcatcher other than Apple. And the reason why I say this is because I do not know uh, about the other... I, I mean, there's like 17 of them that I'm on, right? So if you happen to be on like Stitcher or what, SoundCloud or whatever, and you give me a review, shoot me an email, ray at iontheempire.com. And if you do that, I will read your review on the show. And also, you can... You could email me at Ray at Empire.com and just give me a sto- let me know your story, what you're doing for the libertarian movement, something that you're doing for the libertarian movement. And if you do that, I will give you the last minute of my show every single time someone sends me that because that's what I'm trying to do is learn about what other people are doing for the libertarian message to push liberty forward. And if we can do that as a team, if you can join me to push libertarianism forward and the message of liberty forward, then at least I can do is give you the last minute of my show, right? So let me know your stories, let me know what you're doing, and then come on back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020.